Hey guys, my name's James. Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. This week's episode is sponsored by makemymortgage.co.uk. They're a UK-based mortgage advice and brokering service that have a great reputation for getting people on the ladder, remortgaging, buy-to-lets, and much more. Go check them out by going to makemymortgage.co.uk forward slash podcast. Now let's get into today's show. This is the Property Renovation Podcast where you hear the very best tips and advice on renovating or building your home from professionals in the industry and speaking to real homeowners themselves. My name's James Woodham. I'm the founder of the Property Renovation Podcast and together with the help of my team, we have just one mission, to provide you with valuable advice for free. We think the construction industry needs a shakeup and anyone that you hire needs to provide you with honesty and clarity whilst doing a professional job. Listening to our podcast empowers our listeners with knowledge and helps make that happen. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the show. Imagine that you were living across the road from your dream home, somewhere where you always knew that you would build memories in, somewhere that you could have a family. This was your ideal home. You you could vision being in this home at some point in your life. On this weekend's episode, I'm speaking to Lucy, who did just that with her husband. They were looking across the road at this house for some years, thinking one day, as soon as this comes on the market, we're going to go for it. And they did. And they got it. And um, she talks all about the whole journey, um, the nasty surprises that they found at the beginning of the renovation uh, and the extent of work that they had to do. Um, but the good part about it is that she was always or they were always able to make something good out of something that was bad. And um, she's got a great Instagram page that she mentions during the episode that you can go and have a look at. Um, yeah, it's an a- amazing episode. I, uh, Lucy was absolutely great um, uh, as a guest on, on here and um, enjoy it. If you want to leave us a review after this episode, please go to iTunes. Um, We're also on Spotify, Player FM, and uh, Stitcher for uh, Android phones as well. So thank you very much. Enjoy this weekend's episode. Okay, uh, on this episode, I have got the fabulous Lucy. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, Lucy is a homeowner with her um, soon-to-be husband, Dan, um, and they are from Hull, Harden in Birmingham, uh, four-bedroom property they bought, and you're going to tell us all about it. So that's good. Really nice to have you on. Yeah, nice to be on. It's great. Love talking about property. <laughs> great. So do I. So that's good. <laughs> right. Um, so for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us, um, describe your home and like how, how you got to where you are now yeah sure so our house is a three-story uh, end of terrace victorian townhouse um we had lived opposite said townhouse for about six years in a much smaller like two-bed victorian terrace um and we'd seen this property across the road and we loved it but you could tell it was unloved like you can always tell by the curtains um and so like the curtains kind of never moved and they always looked a bit skanky and you could see the roof was in need of repair so basically it was an an old lady who lived here um and you very rarely saw her 
Um, but when you did see her, she looked quite frail. Um, so we did think that maybe the property would come on the market at some point. Um, so yeah, I don't think it had been touched probably like judging by the wallpaper. Mm. Um, and yeah, it probably hasn't been touched for about, since about the sixties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So super old property. It's only had, I think we're the third or fourth owners of the property in its history. So very few owners, um, and very little renovation done to it apart from some very odd outhouses that she'd built out the back, which she rented out for not a lot of money. And I don't know why you'd ever want to stay in one. They were hideous. So, so yeah, it was, um, in need of a lot of love. Um, but what it looks like now, so we took it from, it was a six bed with weird outhouses out the back. Um, we knocked the outhouses down, built ourselves a large kitchen extension, um, and we've taken it to a four bed property. So the top floor was originally two bedrooms and a weird kitchenette. Mm. Um, we have now made that into our bedroom where I'm sitting now, um, behind this wall. Um, sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, that makes no sense, but behind my bedroom wall is the ensuite. Um, and so we've got, it's kind of like, uh, our top floor, we wanted it to be like a boutique hotel. And okay. that's kind of, we've created ourselves a little flat up here. So. Yeah, you have, you have. Um, and anyone who's listening right now, this is actually on a video um, version as well, which will be on YouTube and the link will be on the blog. So that's good. So everyone can see it. In the end. <laughs> good. Um, just to go back a little bit, describe those outhouses, because I'm sure you're not the only one who's got these weird outhouses. At the mm. back of um, and you knocked them down yourself. So like, how did you go about it? What was the, did you worry about what you were doing at that time and how, how it's going to turn out? Um, no, not really. Um, because the footprint of the house, so as I said, it's a Victorian property. Um, mm. so Victorian properties, traditionally the kitchen is very, very small. So you could see where the original property ended and then these outhouses have been built really shoddily. You mm-hmm. could, you know, there, there was no trying to blend them. They were just, awful um so you could see where the new brick had literally been plonked on the back of the house um they were there was lawn mowers stashed in them some of them like I say she rented um but they were just rooms with like a toilet in and so yeah so we knew that they weren't original we weren't knocking anything down that was original um or of any value to anyone so you know what uh, a sledgehammer and some some give it some welly and they were gone i was gonna say yeah so you you could kind of blow them and they'll just fall down kind of thing yeah a little bit a little bit but they well we'll probably come on to it later but they caused a lot of headache because there was so much rubble and bricks to get rid of and that is more costly than any renovator ever thinks getting rid of stuff you don't want (laughs) i I think that's something that you could easily underestimate right yeah massively massively yeah okay um so what elements of the renovation did you experience for the first time that got you to the outcome that you have now what you've achieved yeah so well i i thought about this and it's uh, pretty much everything yeah um, because we had done what i thought at the time was a big renovation on our old house in reality it was tiny like our first house um the bathroom was it was a victorian terrace two bed like Mm -hmm. kind of two up two down galley kitchen yeah Um, the bathroom was downstairs at the end of the kitchen so obviously no one really 
we don't use houses like that really anymore. So we wanted to move the bathroom from downstairs to upstairs. It had been rented for years, lots of wood chip wallpaper. So we had to strip that all back, get it replastered. It took us about nine weeks. And I remember getting to the end of that nine weeks and being like, oh, I'm never doing this again. Okay. And I, I need several years to recover from this, this traumatic experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, we took on this project, but this project was like six years after that. So, um, so yeah. Stuff that was brand new, um, the big stuff, structural work, um, mm. knocking down buildings, knocked down the rear of the house because that wasn't structurally sound. Um, yeah. We built a big extension on the back. Um, things like replacing the roof, you know, hoisting steels up three floors and um, working with structural engineers, um, working with an architect, um, just all of the, all of it is new, like project management. So my other half, Dan, he probably he took on the major project management role. But there's a lot to learn in that. It's not just you can't just leave it to your builders. No. Or you are you have to employ a project manager. But if you're doing it yourself, you know that's daily site meetings, that's sourcing products, that's making sure the builders have got all the materials that they need. It's making sure that the right trades are on site on, on site on the right day, and so all of that. I mean luckily he was very good at that and it's kind of what he does in his day job but that was all a huge huge learning curve um and yeah things like like I said replacing the roof or planning the electrics like planning the lighting um so figuring out when you've got the shell of a house and you have to kind of go around and think like where I am now sitting in my bedroom like so I'll get out of bed here and then I'll turn that light on to go into the bathroom but then when I go around that side of the bathroom then I need another light switch to turn that light off and all of that kind of stuff was new Mm. um what else Uh, yeah it's just all been such a huge huge learning curve like what we've the knowledge that we've acquired over the last 12 months has been loads you don't think you've learned anything but when you look back you're like oh yeah. my god we did that <laughs> yeah, you can do it again now this is it <laughs> um, so let's talk about the structural because you were dealing with a structural engineer and an architect yeah. um and what was that experience like because it can be quite daunting for some people so yeah i mean there was kind of a lot of head scratching mm-hmm. um because you like so as i said my other half is is he kind of did a lot of the design process and then we took that to an architect and then they drew up the plans yeah. and then we speak into the structural engineer and it's a lot of kind of umming and ahhing and looking where steels are going to go um, and kind of, yeah, a lot of planning and then a lot of kind of, well, no, you can't do that. That won't work there because that that's a load bearing wall and you can't take that out. And so then you kind of have to think, right, okay, I've got to adjust the design ideas to fit around that. But things like we've incorporated the steels, the steel structural work in our bedroom. Um, we've incorporated that actually into the design feature. So we've still got one of the big structural steels in the roof showing and we've painted that black. And that's nice. yeah, yeah, we've got like a fake structural steel that kind of mirrors that. Um, so yeah, that was quite, I guess, quite daunting because at that point, if someone like you've got your plans and you've got your vision, Mm. but then the people with the calculators who say whether the house is going to remain standing or not, (laughs) say that you can't do that. So it's going to be upside down kind of thing, flip all your ideas around. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of a little bit, I guess a little bit daunting, but you know, we, we were lucky we had a good relationship with the structural engineer um he worked quite closely with the builder and so we had kind of a team looking at everything so that there weren't nasty surprises it's important when you've got a team 
when they when they all like working with each other is one of the most important things. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking a little bit about that, did you end up hiring a um, a building company that serves like all the trades in one, or was you hiring separate trades? No, we kind of hired separate trades, but um, so our main builder was um, so it's kind of known my other half through like friends for years, and he actually did the garden over at our other smaller house. So when we got this, um, we spoke to him and said, "Look, is it a project that you would be interested in?" Um, and so he sort of runs a small team, him, okay. uh, another builder, and a couple of labourers. But obviously then he, we used, we picked his brains really and found other trades through him, um, which we found was a much better way, but we dealt with those trades ourselves, but he recommended them. That's really, really important. And, Mm. um, that's kind of one of my top tips is use, use your builder's knowledge because, you know, if, if they've worked with, for example, the plasterers, the plumber, the and the electrician have all worked with Stu on his last uh, Stu was our main builder have worked with him on probably the last four or five projects and now that they've gone they've all moved on to kind of the next project so um they know each other they know how to work around each other um they they know each other's quirks they can have a bit of banter on site and they're a team um rather than just kind of getting random people in that can kind of upset the flow and the momentum and also like it sounds stupid but the kind of the morale of the build as well if yeah. you've got a lot of kind of random people all working together that don't know each other and then oh well I mean we have had a few trades in who didn't get on with other trades um <laughs> and that just it just oh it's stuff that you can't be bothered to deal with do you know what I mean like you've yeah. got enough to deal with that you can't deal with like petty stuff going politics building no. politics <laughs> it's like a blame game isn't it because if they don't like each other and it can get really messy so oh gosh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah okay. that's it. um i can see this beautiful wall behind you and mm-hmm. just if you move your head a little bit that beautiful light as well yeah so um these are the things that i would probably call big ticket items things okay. that you want to invest in that you like looking at so yeah. um what was big ticket ticket items that you've got do you think um okay so big ticket items i'll come on to kind of some more of the interior bits but um the windows are were expected so every single window in the house needs to be replaced um i wanted so beautiful victorian property it got big bay window at the front sash windows so obviously the dream is beautiful wooden sash windows um but then then you come to do your budget (laughs) and then you kind of realize that the compromises have to be made so we compromised on the windows at the front so they're upvc wood grain but in hindsight um I don't have to worry about the maintenance. They look good. You just, you just never know. So mm. I compromised on that. Um, but at the back of the house, so we wanted to keep the front of the house quite traditional um, in style, but then the extension we've put on the back is very contemporary. So we wanted to show that transition and we wanted to show that using kind of more architectural features. So we um, have got uh, steel casement windows at the back and that was like, we both said right from day one, we want steel casement windows and they're not cheap. Um, so that for us was like quite big ticket, but we just knew our Pinterest boards were full of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, um, that was kind of our first 
big ticket item. Um, th- there's loads of unsexy things. Structural steels are really expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and a new roof was essential. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was fairly big ticket and okay. boring, if I'm honest. But like I say, I made a feature of it in the bedroom. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, on the interior side of things, I think probably one of the first things that I bought for the house, and I think I probably did buy them this time last year, bearing in mind we had no roof this time last year, um, were the gold taps in my ensuite and gold shower heads. I just always knew I wanted them. And so I spent a long time sourcing them. It was non-negotiable. All the builders had a laugh about my ridiculously expensive taps. <laughs> They're what I wanted. And yeah. Just, you know, I had to have them. So, Well, you have to use them every day. So yeah, I look at them every day and think, day. oh, God, you have to really polish gold taps because they get mucky really easily. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was good. The parquet wall behind me, um, we thought we'd got a bit of a bargain with that because you go on eBay and it's really easy to buy reclaimed parquet flooring. Very easy. But if you buy reclaimed parquet flooring with bitumen on the back, <laughs> that's like um, a lot of man hours. So what you you buy something for a bargain, but yeah. then you have to, I mean, I think it probably took us months. Just, you know, it's just one of those jobs where every Sunday we'd have to like, right, come on, we'll go and do 10 blocks and just scraping the bitumen off the back. Um, and then obviously building it. The builders weren't keen on it because it's not an easy job. Um, and also, like, none of them had done it before, built a parquet wall. Um, so there's a lot of man hours that went into that. And then when they did build it, it went wonky. And then I had to say, oh, it's not right. You're going to have to rip it down. <laughs> <laughs> but they would only done half of it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so that, what started out as a, as a kind of a kind of a cheap design feature turned into quite an expensive design feature but it does look lovely <laughs> I, i'm very jealous because it does it looks really lovely um and i'm just going to tell you because it when you were saying about the bitumen you just brought back memories for me no. because I, I i had a flat um and i thought that would be a great idea mm-hmm. take, take up the laminate floor i've got a, i had a concrete floor and put this down so i went and got it was an, coming out of a church oh, yeah. so i bought it on ebay exactly the same as you and then i put it all up in the loft thinking yeah, I'll get around to doing that. And it was 10 blocks here, 10 blocks there. But the bitumen just gets oh, everywhere as well. Everywhere. And it's it's really difficult to do. But I gave up. I ended up selling it in the end. Oh, really? Yeah, I couldn't do it. It was just so much of it. Yeah, we bought... Um, so we started off doing it by hand, but then we got one of those... It's like a, a table with a, a spinning... Um, well, what do you call it? Like a like spinning wire brush type wheel thing on it. Oh. Um, was quite good i mean it's still a massively messy job but that's yeah. the process a bit that's a good tip though that's a good yeah. tip i did yeah we yeah i was doing it with a scraper and a heat gun oh so. yeah no get get the machinery in and like you can buy like from um i think we bought it from bought a little uh desktop thing from Screwfix for about 30 okay. quid a fun. Yeah. okay <laughs> good keep the parquet dream alive yeah it's really really nice i like <laughs> it done a good job there um okay so can you uh, describe the house you lived in before? And like, why did you why did you like this house so much, do you think? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned the house we lived in before was, was the first house that we bought together as a couple. Um, we'd lived in rented accommodation, we lived in apartments. Um, we wanted to get a dog. So we were like, 
let's buy a house. So it's like quite an expensive dog kennel. Mm. Um, but yeah, we bought a two bedroom property about three miles outside Birmingham city center. Um, I had always loved period properties. Um, and Dan, oh, it was a bit annoyed, like that there's only on street parking with a lot of these Victorian properties. Yeah. But I won and neither of us wanted to live in a sort of a new build and like no offense to anyone who does live in kind of a, a you know a new build house but we wanted something with character um and we wanted something that we could put our own stamp on so we weren't afraid like the house that we bought had been rented for donkey's years so it was wood chip wallpaper all very bland um all of the fireplaces had been ripped out and kind of boarded up so a lot of the original features had kind of been removed but we were confident that we could kind of put them back um and like I said we moved the bathroom from downstairs to upstairs mm-hmm. extended the kitchen put a new kitchen in put um double doors on the back of the house to open up the garden and made the garden a bit of a design feature so we had a lot of fun with it um, yeah. and we loved it and we lived there for six years um but when I say like we live directly opposite the house I now live in, like literally you open the front door and I'm looking at my old house. So um, we'd always seen this house and we joked, um, you know, like if anything did happen, God rest her soul to the lady who owned it, um, yeah. we would love to buy that house. And it just so happened that six years later, um, a for sale sign came up, was in the garden. And I remember Dan coming, I was sitting in the bedroom, like looking out my bedroom window looking at this house and Dan came up the stairs from work and was just like, so have you seen your new house over the road? I was like, what? It's like, yeah, we've got a bid for it, haven't we? Like we've always said we wanted it. So should we go and ask it? Um, So I think the reason we'd, we'd started to get itchy feet and we wanted to move up the property ladder, but where we live, um, you could end up spending, you know, another couple of hundred grand, but essentially get, the same footprint house, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a loft bedroom, and you'd be nearer to the centre of, of Harborn. Okay. Um, and it just seemed it wasn't a big leap. We were ready to make a bigger move. So actually doing a renovation allowed us to jump up that property ladder. Yeah. Um, the house that we live in now, we just saw potential, like so much potential. And we kind of, yeah, we kind of knew we could do it. So that's kind of why we went for um, it. So... So then you went for it and um, you put a bid in. What yeah. happened then? Um, well, so the, the bidding process wasn't straightforward. So okay. the old lady that owned it, uh, she owned this house and she owned the one, and her sister owned the one next door. But the one next door, um, the, the sister had gone into a home. So that had kind of been left to rot as well as this one, really. Um, so they went to sealed bids. So there was no family. So it's the, I think the council kind of basically came in and cleared, cleared the house out. She got like literally no family. So it was just, it went to sealed bids. Um, they, they gave us a guide price. Okay. Um, and we had to put our bid in. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, a terrifying, terrifying process. Um, to go through. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we just had to do a lot of thinking about what, what is the house worth to us? Um, how would we feel if we bid low and we lost it? Yeah. Um, so I think we did, obviously we did all of the planning in terms of, we looked at how much we could afford. We looked at the guide price. Mm. Um, we had a look around the area. We knew what houses were going for. Um, we looked at how much value we, we could add um, by adding the extension, what would be the end value of the property by mm. the time we'd done the renovation. Um, so we just kind of weighed up all the practical stuff. But at the end of the day, 
it was our hearts that ruled it. Like we wanted the house. So we just said to each other, like, how would you feel if we didn't get it? Yeah. And we, we would have been gutted and there was nothing else we wanted to buy. Like we, nothing. So we bid at the top end of our budget and just also made a pact that, um, if we were never to kind of say, oh, oh, we shouldn't have gone that high because if we did get it, like have no regrets because this is yeah. our dream house and hopefully our forever home. So mm. just, you know, we got it. That's the price we paid. Let's forget about that now. Move on to the next stage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I get it because you're you're looking at this house. You could you can pretty much see yourself in it. Like it's it's got to happen. Um, and and then I, I guess the the heart rules, right? So it's it's kind of like you do go as far as you can. Did you end up having like a bidding war with others? Like was it was it? No, really- <laughs> no, we didn't. And much as I say, we were like, oh no, don't have any regrets. But of course, when we got it, we were like, oh god, did we go to? <laughs> too high because it's still bid so you don't know what anyone else has bid for it um we obviously we met the guys who bought the house next door um and they actually wanted to buy this one but obviously we bid higher than them so that kind of proved our point that this is this is this was the house for us so the price that we put in was the right price but and i think one of my tips would be if you do find yourself in this situation um so after we'd actually um got the house we obviously knew the circumstances that the council were deal with, dealing with it. There was no family involved. So no one was sort of fighting to try and get higher, more inheritance or more money for the property, really. They just wanted a quick sale. Yeah. So once we've had all of the surveys and everything done, we went back to the estate agent and said, look, this is the extent of the work. It's like, it's definitely more than than was ever communicated. So we then negotiated. So we actually managed to knock a good, a good, chunk off what we offered so we kind of felt like yeah I think that would be my tip like know the circumstance of the seller and if there is room for movement don't be afraid to ask for it because we bid it we got it we knew that they didn't want to put the property back on the market again because it's just too much hassle for them so then we thought actually you want us to buy this so do you know what we're just going to see if you'll take some money off for us and they did good well if you don't ask you don't get so exactly that's the thing Um. So your soon-to-be husband, you mentioned yeah. that he he likes architecture um, and he done pretty much the plans and then passed them on to – so um, where did that come from? Like something that he studied at school? Had, had it- no, no, no formal training, just a real interest in it. I think we were chatting about this and I said, where do you think it does come from? I think both of our parents did big property projects when we were younger, so his parents um, did up – quite an old property when they were about the same age as us and Dan was quite small. And I think he kind of remembers that and remembers um, the lovely family home that he came from and all the work that went into that. So I think he kind of had that. And then my dad um, built, when I was three, built our family home um, from scratch, just bought a proper plot of land and and built a house. So I think kind of both grew up thinking like, that's what you do or that that's what the opportunity is there to do. Um, so I think, yeah, we both kind of had a desire to, to do our own thing, but for him, like with the design stuff, so he works, um, for a, he runs a glass company, so they install partition glass into offices. So a lot of his clients are interiors related. So he understands like the flow of spaces. 
he understands how to measure stuff properly or, you know, he just, just understands kind of how spaces work. So I think that massively worked to our advantage when we came to planning the house. Mm. He had an understanding of, of how to really plan the space and make it work for us. Yeah. It must be quite good, like, just to see it, do go all that planning stage, go through all that planning stage and then start to see it all develop. And yeah yeah oh god like we can't believe it now like we'll find sometimes we like yeah we're still kind of unpacking boxes even though we've been like here since june and you will find like dan found like a notepad where he'd got like some sketches and it was like oh my god like that was the first iteration of our bedroom but um but yeah you know stuff kind of moved and changed quite a lot and um, i would say as well like we watch a ridiculous amount of property programs. Um, like Dan has watched so much Grand Designs that he had to start watching Grand Designs Australia and then New Zealand <laughs> on YouTube. So, <laughs> so that's how kind of property obsessed we were and still are. Um, so yeah, just like immerse yourself in it. <laughs> hey guys, it's James. Getting on the property ladder these days can be really, really tough. And with all of the advice on the internet, how can you be sure that you're getting the right advice? The guys at MakeMyMortgage.co.uk are super amazing. They're friendly and they offer down-to-earth advice. But most important, they offer a wide range of lending options. So if you're planning to buy your first home, buy to let, or just flip a property, MakeMyMortgage.co.uk are the ones for you. For your free consultation, go to MakeMyMortgage.co.uk forward slash podcast now let's get back to today's show there was something exciting that happened there because i did mention that it was like a soon-to-be husband so um t- can you tell us the story about how he get, um proposed yeah yeah sure so well I, I still can't believe it really so don and i have actually been together 11 years so and i never thought he was going to get round to proposing um and we it was actually before we owned the house so the houses were um hmo so houses of multiple occupancy so between the two houses that the old lady owned um there was this weird kick through so you could kick through from our first floor bedroom into next door's first floor bedroom so i was at work and dan we were going out for dinner that night um because we were going on holiday the next day mm. and uh, we we're going out with dinner for, with some friends and he was sort of calling like when are you coming home and i'm on my way he's like oh yeah hurry up and come home i've got something over the new house i want to show you but like this is before we even had the keys so he'd had to speak to our next door neighbors who had completed and got the keys um and said oh yeah i just i bought something i've put it in the house come and have a look and like he's a terrible like terrible one for shopping like buying random stuff off ebay so it it was totally plausible um so yeah so we kind of we came into the house and then we went through the kick through um from next door into ours and then then he kind of said, close your eyes and come and have a look at this. And then he'd put like um, a big banner up saying, will you marry me? I need your help with this. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so he proposed in the, which is now one of the guest bedrooms, the green room, um, which is really sweet. And I think it's really important. Like renovations are stressful mm. and they can put a lot of stress on your relationship and you need to be, you need to be a team um, and you need to understand your own strengths and weaknesses um, and also those of your partners. Um, and so, yeah, I think this whole process has brought us closer together as a team. And that was just such a lovely memory. Like we've already started making memories at this house before we even owned it. And I think that's really important to try and have some 
good times during your renovation because they can be sort of long, hard days. And when you're watching your budget dwindling and yeah, so that was a nice way to start it. And we're still a team now. <laughs> that's good that's good well congratulations anyway thank you um i think it is really really important because you're going through and talking about the same kind of topics day in day out and it's yeah. a very it can be quite a long time that you don't talk about anything else and i think it's right you know make sure that you have that break and you you do implement things of joy and um you know yeah put a smile on your face when you're doing it exactly yeah 100% and we've done quite a lot of that throughout um the renovation just try to make those kind of those nice little memories um and just try and make it fun because you do you do you are property bores and you just you can bore each other like and one of my friends said to me like um what does she call it she does like a lot of kind of um personal development and life coaching and she said uh, have like a, a box of uh, like have an agreement a contract between the two of you which we didn't ever sit down and write a formal contract between us um right at the beginning but it's something that I think maybe could be useful to some people is to really think about like what are those kind of pinch points what are those things that you know kind of wind each other up and just kind of write them down and have a contract between each other and it might be things like you know after nine o'clock at night we're not going to talk about it or you know in bed we're not going to talk about it or in a certain room in the house we're not going to be talking about the renovation anymore and just try and set some ground rules because I think when you listen to advice about doing a renovation not a lot of people think about kind of mentally how it affects you and your mental health throughout a renovation. Yeah. Um, and it can be really, really taxing. So I think just while when you first get it, when you first get the house or you've been looking at right move and your offer is accepted, it's all really, really exciting. And then you, you then you plan your budgets, you plan your sourcing, you plan your trace, but you don't often think about how am I going to cope and, and what happens when I have an argument with my partner about taps for the like <laughs> time. <laughs> So, um, so yes, prepare yourself mentally. I think that's really important. Yeah. No, it is. I think uh, there's some very good points there, actually. I always go by the method of, like, happy wife. Happy wife, happy life, right? So if you, you said, I would have just given the taps. Don't, don't even talk about it. <laughs> I got my taps, don't you worry. <laughs> um, so let's go and talk about um, your builder a bit. Um, because you mentioned that you already knew them. Um, and then there was this process of where you've got the house, but then there was, a you know, you can't get in straight away and all of this. So I would say that that's a very patient builder. Um, so what kind of, was you worried at any time that he would lose faith in the project itself? Um, we were, I think it's all about communication. So we were very honest when we got the house, we knew that the, we very quickly knew when our offer was accepted that it wasn't going to be a straightforward process of, you know, completion, even though we thought it'd be really quick because she got no family. Um, and it should have been really quick. The process wasn't. So her sister who I mentioned had dementia, obviously she couldn't deal with any of the, um, the estate. So they had to, it had to go through the court of protection, which is a very cloak and dagger process. Like it's impossible to find out what's happening, but, um, we built a rapport with the estate agent. Um, so we tried to get as much information as we could from them. Mm. Um, and basically just keeping, keeping Stu, the builder as informed as possible. So we, I guess tried to estimate that 
we thought it was it could take about a year to complete it, it yeah. actually took nearly two years to complete mm. um but we were just as open and honest as we could and i think we were really lucky because um he'd done he'd been doing just a lot of straightforward extensions okay. um, and he was interested to take on a new challenge and a new project and mm. our house wasn't straightforward um and he wanted to do something that interested him as a builder and challenged him as a builder and he mm. knew kind of had quite we have some quirky design tastes um so so yeah i think that kind of really kept him interested and just being really open and, and honest about the process um that's that's all you can do really yeah, yeah. And, and you know trying to kind of build that relationship and he would ring us and say right okay so i'm just I'm potentially going to take another job that that's going to take this job is going to take me three months do you think you're going to complete in three months so we would make a few phone calls. No, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Take that job and then, yeah, hopefully we'll be ready. So eventually we were ready. Okay. Um, so, and and with you guys, there was this long period of time of like knowing that you're going to get the house, but can't do anything. So um, other than um, doing the research and everything else, was it, do you, if, if anyone is in this position, mm. is there anything you think they could do with the use of their time whilst they're waiting? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, a lot of, so obviously you, you have your Pinterest boards, you're surfing Instagram, um, it's actually sourcing those products. You have time to um, source and find for the best price. Yeah. So it's not, you're not having to make snap decisions. Um, so definitely source as much as you can. Mm. Um, do your budget, do your budget three, four times and add about 50%. Um uh, build relationships like you know start building relationships with trades go and see um if you're employing a builder that you've not worked with or don't know before yeah. go and ask to see some of the projects that they're currently working on um mm. chat to their clients um yeah just all the research you can do listen to podcasts like yours um yeah. buy all of the magazines follow all the renovation accounts on instagram and just arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible and i think that really helped us because then as soon as we got the keys on the 4th of August last year, we were like, right, bang, everyone in. We know where we're doing. We're starting at the top. We're working down, roof off. Like we had timelines. We had the finances in place. So it was just a lot of people say like, God, how have you done that so quickly? But I yeah. think A, it's because we had a decent budget and realistic budget in place. And B, it's because we knew like we knew when everything had to be done. Yeah. And it was just getting everyone lined up and building those relationships. I think that's yeah. What, what, was, what, what was the gap between the day that you was ready, that's it, to telling your builder you could start? What was how much did he start the next day? Like how? Yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, good. That's I mean, communication, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, yeah. um, like I say, we built. Um, uh, rapport with the estate agent the solicitors mm. like throughout every like we would have a meeting with our solicitor and she'd say okay so i think we're about three weeks away so then it'd be yeah. like straight on the phone to Stu, right we're three weeks away we think we're going to complete on this day um so so mm. yeah literally it was like go i think well yeah also yeah because we got the keys first but we didn't officially exchange contracts so in the july we'd they'd given us the keys so we kind of could come we weren't obviously you're not supposed to do anything because you don't actually legally own it um but we did sort of you know we may have pushed a few walls down <laughs> <laughs> 
it's, it's done now. So <laughs> yeah, it's ours. They can't tell us off. <laughs> so okay, um, what do you think are the sorts of things that uh, other homeowners can? Uh, sorry, I'll start again. What do you think um, that other homeowners don't consider? Like that's yeah. Go. Um. So in terms of like budgeting and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people like we were at the beginning are completely clueless about how much stuff costs. Yeah. So the first stage of this renovation, which for me was the most terrifying stage, um, we had a take, not our regular builders, but they were kind of clearance guys. So when we first got the house, there was like this sixties wallpaper. Like we knew it was bad. Like, don't get me wrong. We'd done the surveys, but because there was kind of these, you know, quirky kind of sixties wallpapers up and, um, it, it looked like, a, it looked like a house. It kind of looked like you could live in it, even yeah. though mortgage people had said that it was inhabitable. Um, but then when the guys, the clearance guys came in and they're literally taking everything back to bare brick, like, oh my gosh, that was such a, I remember coming up and coming up to the top floor, like with your hard hat and your mask on because there's so much dust and just that, like, what the hell have we done? That, that's the only time I felt like, oh my God, <laughs> because before it looked like a house and now it doesn't look like a house. And I've had to pay them 15,000 pounds to make my house look like a mess. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think um, that my point was, um, we were completely clueless before we started the planning process about how much stuff costs. So like I said, the, those, the demolition guys were 15 grand, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think definitely do your research on, on every stage of how much stuff costs. Um, our, Stu said to us, well, you should budget around 1500 to 2000 pounds per square meter. Um, so okay. kind of base it on that. Um, things that people don't think about so if you've got a big project like this um like we didn't have working toilets but obviously it's a long project and the builders need to go to the toilet somewhere so portaloos <laughs> and you have to hire them a place to go to the toilet so i think yeah that that's a another cost people don't think about yeah um, again boring stuff like skips uh skips are about what 200 quid ago mm. and we must have had oof, at least 20 if not more, you know, that's a, that's a huge expense just on skips. Um, yeah. And then, oh, to go back to the point at the beginning. So when we knocked all the outhouses down um, and we had to knock the rear, ex- the rear part of the house down as well, because it was only built on like two foundations worth of bricks, um, two bricks worth of foundations. Um, we had a lot of earth and a lot of rubble to get rid of. And on my, anyone who follows me on Instagram will probably have heard about Brick Mountain um, because we just had this mountain, literally a mountain of bricks in our back garden and you've got to get rid of them. So we went, um, we went through different ways of trying to get rid of them because we needed hardcore to go in the garden and for the extension. We were like, okay, we'll hire a crusher. Mm. But then you hire the crusher, but then you need a man with a digger. So he costs a bit of money. Um, And then the crusher was like too small and took ages. So to get through that mountain of bricks that we had was going to have taken, it would have taken him weeks to be able to do it with his crusher. And that's a huge expense. So we were like, okay, right, you need to stop. Um, So then we just, we just ended up with a grab lorry. But I think we have probably spent over £2,000 getting rid of Brick Mountain. Think how many gold taps that could have bought me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. So I think um, 
all of that kind of stuff is stuff that people don't necessarily think about yeah. when you especially you know you, you think about doing a renovation and you, you're thinking oh yay like taps and wallpaper and nice stuff but hmm. there's just a lot of stuff that will suck up a lot of your budget can you just t- touch on the demolition bit again and you said yeah, it was sure. about fifteen thousand pounds right yeah. so you got the quotation for this what was the first thought that went through your mind about that cost like what did what did you think right then well can I swear? <laughs> what do you think my first thought was? You, you can know? say you can say flipping. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Flipping L. Like okay. um yeah, that's a huge cost. Yeah. And, and I think I remember saying to Dan, Are you sure that's right? Mm. Have we shopped around enough? Um and we had. Yeah. Um, cost and we even shared because next door were doing the same as well so um we kind of you know tried to use that as a bargaining tool to be mm. like look you're doing two houses you can do them one after the other we might use you for some more stuff um yeah. but yeah you know that that was a horrible horrible cost to swallow it's mostly the weight isn't it so it's it's, it's not just loading it up crazy yeah. Yeah. no just awful awful <laughs> You know, that's forgotten now. It's in the past. <laughs> but the, the, I did see the picture of Brick Mountain and you on top of there with your family as well. So yeah, we tried to, again, tried to make a memory out of Brick Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're on to the five top tips and you have mentioned a few already, so I hope you've got some left. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I hope they're not kind of too repeated. So I would say... Um, the first one and one of the most common questions I get asked a lot on Instagram is that how do you find good trades? Mm. Um, and I think research don't always go with the cheapest. And I've seen this where people just go for the cheapest quote. Mm-hmm. And there is no such thing as a cheap builder or a cheap trades person, not in today's market because there are so many renovations going on. Um, so I think go for the most qualified or go for the person that you have a rapport with, because especially if you're doing a renovation like ours, so we, you know, almost lived with our builder for, for 12 months. And there's someone that you see every day. And if you don't like them and you don't get on with them, then that's going to make your life hell. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely, definitely, um, definitely research your trades. And so this is a tip from Dan, because obviously I had to ask him for, for his tips as well. Um, he doesn't think that many people do this and he is a little bit anal with his project management, but he says, always call your tradie the night before to check that they're coming in the day they say they're coming in. So, you know, with the electrician, he'll ring them the night before and just say, you coming in tomorrow. <laughs> and just so they don't forget. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good tip. Yeah, simple but effective, and it ensures it keeps you on track. <laughs> so um, that would be my first tip. Okay. Um, the second tip would be, um, and I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, but use the connections that your builder's got because you can look on check a trade or Facebook groups or you can Google, you know, plumbers and whatnot in my area, but you don't know them from Adam. Um, it's likely that your builder probably has got those contacts. So use those relationships. They've built those relationships over many years. Like I say, they're probably more likely to work as a team um, and you'll get a better result and you'll have a happy, harmonious building site and all of your work will get done in time <laughs> if you're lucky. So yeah, that would be like use the connections that your builder's got. Um, the third one is stick to your design guns. I think most people experience this with builders, but if, if you're doing something that is slightly out of the ordinary and we've done a few things slightly out of the ordinary, such as the parquet wall, yeah. the first response you'll get from any builder is that kind of sharp intake of breath of, 
no, 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 that can't be done. Yeah. Yes, it can be done, but it's not the easiest way to get things done. And, you know, builders are brilliant, but obviously everyone just wants to do things that they know and they want to do things the quickest and easiest way they can. So anything out of the ordinary um, throws them off their stride. But I think, again, through having that relationship and saying, well, come on, you know, how about this? Or we're doing it like this work or, and, and having that discussion um, with your builder, um, that works. And yeah, I think Stu like hated loads of our design decisions. So don't, don't listen to builders interior design advice either. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, lots of tea and lots of biscuits as well. So. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, so that was the third one. So the fourth one, um, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, um, is sourcing your products well in advance. Like I take the mick out of Dan sometimes, like he would be making me, I did it most of the sourcing, He'd be like, right, you need to source the sink for the downstairs loo. I'm like, they haven't even built the downstairs loo yet. Um, but, but we did have all of our products, um, and, you know, the materials for the builders way in advance. So that will just slow stuff up. If, if you're, and I think again, this is because we had a long time to plan, but we were quite sure of our design, design choices. But if you're kind of dilly dallying over what tiles you want, that you're wasting time, like your builders there or, or your tilers there yeah. waiting to do it. And if you haven't got the product there, that's your money that you're wasting. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, spend time sourcing and make sure that they're arriving on site at the right times. Um, and then my final tip, again, which we kind of touched on, but I can talk a bit more about, but was just, it's creating fun memories. Um, so we did a big, because we had to take all of the roof timbers out, um, we, we had loads and loads of wood that we needed to burn. And it was kind of this time last year, it was like October time. So what started out as a, oh, should we, well, maybe we can have a bonfire. Oh, well, it's nearly the 5th of November. Oh, should we have a bonfire party? Yeah, let's have a bonfire party. So um, before we knew it, I'd printed invites. I'd invited all of the neighbours as well. So that was a good kind of like um, relationship builder because obviously they had to put up with the street being blocked with vans for a year. Um, So we invited all of the neighbours. We invited loads of our friends. I'm quite lucky one of our friends owns a brewery, so he bought a big barrel of beer. Um, We told everyone to um, bring a firework and everyone did bring a firework. So we ended up having like the fireworks display was nearly an hour long. Um, but we just, we had so much fun with it and, and it just took our minds off the fact that we'd had to pay a load of money to have our house kind of ripped apart. We'd got this huge pile of rubble in the back, but it just, um, it was a bit of light relief and it kind of, it breaks up the monotony and gives you something else to talk about. Um, and it also, like it involved our neighbors, it involved our friends and family. Um, and then another thing we did last Christmas we weren't living in the house, but we obviously we lived opposite. So um, nothing was working. There were no, like you couldn't run water or anything in the house, but we did have a roof on. So we had, we bought our breakfast over and we opened our presents in the bedroom um, on oh. Christmas day and had a glass of champagne in the bedroom. And so stuff like that. I know like it's, that's yeah, not necessarily like a practical tip, but it's just one to kind of, to keep you sane and make nice memories. Look, like you said, it, it, you start off exciting and then you, you, you know, you can stay, stay on a flat road or you can drop. It's a roller coaster at the end of the day. Yeah. Any renovation is. And I think, like, I know that the next door neighbours, um, they had a lot more problems than us and mm. um, they ended up hating their house for a while. And yeah. you don't want that. You know, you've paid all of this money and you're going through all of this stress and then you start to resent 
where you're going to live and it just becomes a pain and a real drain on you and I just think that's such a horrible way to be when you know this is our forever home so I, yeah. I would I wouldn't want to feel like that about this house I want nothing but positivity so um mm. yeah make good memories so what's left anything in the house left to do um well lots of faffing as I like to call it <laughs> um so yeah just um I'm looking at something now I've got to tile the fireplaces tile the fireplaces in in the bedrooms and the back reception room um mainly the garden uh we finished pretty much kind of like the patio area but well this was an amazing thing I didn't mention earlier but when um so when we were when the council were in clearing the house out um the garden kind of looked like a standard terraced house length garden mm. and um it got like laurel bushes all around it but the guys who were clearing out we kind of made friends with them and dan was having like oh can i come and have a little nosy round always wanted to look in this house and the, the council guy said to him um if you just push through that hedge there i think that land all this land belongs to this property and it does so when so basically once we've taken the laurel trees down we have got a huge garden with oak trees and like like stuff that you don't get in a busy residential area um which is great but now i've got to think what to do with it but we've got some plans and i think gardens are the, are the kind of things that can evolve over time um so yeah we've got the garden to do and just now it's nice stuff like planning art on walls and all yeah. of that jazz yeah well we had a fence built today that was Thanks. A fence, the fence went up, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So we replaced that. Um, Good. That's it. Okay. Um, so with all the products and, you know, purchases that you made, mm-hmm. is there any one or two things that you think, gosh, that's, that was really good. I'm glad I bought that. Like that you would, that you would in- encourage others to buy yeah okay so if you are watching this rather than listening i'll do like a little demonstration but i'll try and talk you through it so um recessed into the parquet wall are some reading lights so um you can just push this little button and your reading light pops out they were from um (laughs) it's just it's really handy and actually i use that light a lot um and they were from ocean lighting so um, a lot actually a lot of spent a lot of time researching lighting for the house um I've got a gorgeous chandelier in the front room, which I love. I've got a chandelier in the hallway that I love. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, just doing doing a lot of research into lighting. I'm trying to think other products that I love. Obviously, my gold taps I love. Where, where are they from? Uh, they are Vardo, V-A-D-O. Um, they are great. Their customer service was good. Um Oh, and oh, the concrete worktops. They only went in um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So they're from a company called Cheshire Concrete. Okay. Um, they specialize in making worktops and um, they can make anything out of concrete. Um, and I think there's a lot of myths around concrete. Well, I think concrete for worktops used to be um, it stains, it scratches, it's really heavy. But the way they do it now and the way they seal it, so they mix it with fiberglass and it's actually not as, I mean, it is still heavy, but not that, not as heavy as it would be. Um, And the way that they treat and seal it now, um, apparently the only thing that will stain it is mustard. So no hot dogs around here. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Um, I I love, I love concrete workshops. I think they really, really do look good. Yeah. So where can people find you? 
Ah, yeah, cool. So if you want to have a nose at our renovation journey, you can follow um, my Instagram, which is at Victoria underscore road underscore restoration. Perfect. Good. And I will be putting a link in the blog as well. So that's really good. Lucy, it was really, really nice to have you on. I love speaking with you. And um, I um, I will be putting this on to the, to, to the blog and it will go onto YouTube. So if anyone wants to check, check it out and check out the video, then please do. So thank you. thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. If you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home, then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today.